Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen Media Empire. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm David Amino, the writer-director of The Asian. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart. Page the screen. Com up in my boundaries. Snakes. Get up to my motorcycle running and tracking up with my fucking snakes. Genius. With Dom, eating pizza and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen Good evening. Hello, Mr. W, how are you? I'm not too bad, not too bad. Good. I thought I'd phone you first, and then we'll get Stu Miller on in a second. So. <laughs> I've just spent the past hour just catching up on uh, on lots, so printing and formatting and faffing around. So Ooh. here we go. Uh, let me bring in the one-limbed film critic. Where is he? Let's have a look. And then we can find out how on earth he uh, fractured his elbow. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. There we go. Calling, calling Mr. Miller, yes. Hello. Hello, Stu. Oh, is he, is he there? Who knows? Aging Dr. Olcombe. <laughs> Aging Dr. Olcombe. <laughs> I don't, it says he's answered, so, you know, the lights are definitely on. He's too shocked there to he talk is. to us. There he is. What it is, it, take, <laughs> it takes him longer to respond because he's got one arm. I think well, yeah, that yeah. might be the case. How are you doing, Stu? In a hell of a lot of pain, but apart from that, okay, what, I guess. What uh, what painkillers are you on? Mainly just I, ibuprofen, paracetamol. It's mainly the, those. How many milligrams? I didn't check. Oh, God, I always <laughs> All check. of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was on like a thousand milligrams a day when I was over my sinus pain, so I think if I'd have uh, fractured... Is it an elbow or is it the arm? What? What? It's my elbow. Fra- I fractured my elbow. How did you fracture Ouch. your elbow? I Just the usual slip and fell. Come out of my bathroom, um, ready to go to work, slipped, fell, put my arm in front of my head just to protect my head as a defensive kind of thing because I, yep. I didn't want to knock myself unconscious. But then didn't feel very much in the way of pain, just the initial, oh, fuck, oh, fuck yep. kind of thing. Got on the bus to work. The pain started to get a little bit worse, but I just thought, ah, it might be because of the bus and the way it's jumping around a little bit. Got into work and just went, nope, this is not going to happen. 
phoned up uh, 111, told to go to my local drop-in centre. They said I broke my yeah. elbow. Yeah. And I had an appointment today to supposedly get a cast fitted, but when the the doctor looked at my arm, he said, you haven't broke it, you fractured your elbow. Um, I've got to wear a sling for a couple of weeks, and I've got to do these specific exercises. So I've got to bend my um, arm straight. I've got to try and touch my shoulder with my hand, and mm. I've got to turn my hand, uh, face, and uh, palm upwards. Yeah. Um, if I'm able to do that in a couple of weeks' time when I go back with no problems, then I'll be fine. If not, I've got to go so- through some physiotherapy. Oof. The hard part about that is you get to a point where you'll think, I think it's okay now, I can move it, and then, no, you won't be able to. As soon as you move it, it's like, ah! Yep. Yeah, the yes. worst thing is I work in a call centre, so I'm on a keyboard and mouse oh. all the time. I need both hands. It's not possible. So I've got to try and persuade them, yep. is the word I'm going to use, to just give me a couple of days to just let me settle down from the pain. Mm-hmm. And then I might be able to actually start using a mouse and keyboard again. Yeah, We'll see. Because exactly. my arm has swollen. It has swollen like a beach ball. Left so, arm or yes. right? Left arm or right? Right. Right. Yep. So it's a mouse mm, one, isn't so it? It's a mouse one. Yep. Yeah. Ouch. So, yep. I'm in lots and lots of pain. But last night trying to sleep was impossible. You'll bet it were. So I'm on lots of pain and very little sleep. You're not uh, doing the old falling asleep in an armchair type thing rather than in a bed? No, I don't have an armchair, but uh, I have a settee, but it was impossible to fall asleep on that. It was impossible to fall asleep in my bed, so I, I'm i running on fumes. Uh-oh. I'm running on fumes. So if you go quiet during this podcast, then you've just you've nodded off? No, no, that, that'll not happen. Okay. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm quite good at actually lasting quite a long time without sleep, yep. so that it'll not happen. But I am running on my batteries are quite lower at the moment, and so I need some sleep because with us back at work tomorrow, yeah, that's a whole new kettle of fish. So basically, for all potential partners out there, Stu Miller can go ages without sleep. Just saying. There you go. <laughs> I'm glad, yeah. Tweet tweet him at Cryptic Tadpole. <laughs> Pitch, oh, pictures dude. on a CV are more than welcome, but if it takes me a while to respond, it's because of the mouse thing. So. I don't care about the CVs. Uh, CV, pictures just, are just, just fine. Just the pictures. <laughs> pictures and a Twitter handle, that's fine. Yeah. So, Doesn't even need to be a Twitter handle, just pictures. <laughs> pictures will do. Uh, that, yeah, it's a good job you can't use your right hand, isn't it? Um, I was so, just thinking the same. Where, yeah, I thought I'd I'm say am- it. I thought I'd say I'm it. ambidextrous there, so... Yeah. Oh, there you go. Bonus. <laughs> Move on. Move on. <laughs> so, other than that, how was your week beforehand? Um, well, I'm guessing beforehand. I'm guessing afterwards. Mainly but, just work. It's pretty much it, mainly just work, because it's been a quiet couple of weeks for film, so it's just mainly just work. Okay. Bob, what about you? How's your week been? Ah, full of Muppets, which is about normal when you're working kind of, you know, tech support. Um, (laughs) I must admit, they did try and outdo themselves in stupidity, but, you know, kind of can't really talk too much about that. <laughs> wow, damn, I, I love stupid stories. It's great. Well, this is it. I, I'm always one of these people that um, you, you'll have heard the term not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I had to lower my expectations before, and my usual saying is not the sharpest spoon in the draw. Oh, okay. This week has lowered it even more. It's not even the sharpest rubber spatula in the draw. Oh, well. Okay, they're generally not that sharp anyway, I don't think. They shouldn't be. Exactly. Uh-oh. 
So yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a week of Muppets. Oh, and not the same sort of Muppets that Andrew Spooner would have dealt with, who actually used to work with the real Muppets. No, 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 no. Actually, st- silly people. Yeah, these ones are web developers in general. I wonder why we call stupid people Muppets, because Muppets are quite smart. I mean, that Count on Sesame Street, he could count. That's why they called him a Count. Yeah. And you've got Cookie Monster, who always seems to find cookies from somewhere. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Where, Snuffle up, yes, from uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sesame them. Street. Kermit. Yeah, you watch some of them Muppet movies. Kermit could ride a bike. I was impressed with that. Yeah. So I don't know why we call them <laughs> Muppets, um, but we do. Yeah. That's a bit odd, isn't it? So that was my week. How was yours? Um, mine was all right, other than uh, I came back from holiday and I uh, thought, sod it, I'm going to go to the doctors and get a checkup because I haven't had one like ever. So I signed up for that. And when they did the blood pressure test, they said, oh, your blood pressure's a little bit high. I'm like, okay. It's probably because I'm sitting in a doctor's room first time in 20 years, but never mind. <laughs> so they, they said, well, what we're going to do, come back next Thursday, which was Thursday just gone. And we need to attach you to a blood pressure monitor for 24 hours. And this is to rule out what they call white coat syndrome. So it's a case of if you go into a doctor's room and you start panicking, your blood pressure is going to go up. They want to rule this out, that this is the cause of the blood pressure. So therefore, their solution is attaching a machine to you for 24 hours that goes off about every 20 minutes and nearly chops your arm off taking your blood pressure. I don't think that's going to be a cure for white coat syndrome personally. However, I'm not a doctor, so... Um, I went down and the nurse handed this little machine to me. It's probably a little bit bigger than a Sony Walkman. Uh, I think you saw it, didn't you, Bob? So it's maybe, yes. it's like a chunkyish Walkman that, that hangs around your neck, has a pipe, and then the, the thing that goes around your arm that checks your blood pressure. Every 20 minutes, this damn thing goes off. And I had it on until from 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, and I took the damn thing off at 8 o'clock on Monday morning, on, uh, on the Friday morning. I'm like, enough's enough, because <laughs> it gave me a banging headache. It took my blood pressure, geez, like 25, 30 times, because it slows down. Once it gets to 11 o'clock at night, it starts taking it every hour. Yes, all the way through the night. So every hour, this damn beep would go off. It would take your blood pressure, nearly tear your arm off. Not fun. So I took it off. So I've got to hand this machine back in tomorrow. And then... It's a very similar to a Sphygmormum um, update, yeah. yeah. One of them things. What's one of them it's, things? The other That's things that used to take your blood, blood pressure. pressure. Oh, them. Yes. A Sphygmormum yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not fun. But So I was writing it all down, and I'm looking at the numbers going, do you know what, it's a little bit high, but it's not that high. It does not warrant having one of these dumb things strapped to me for 24 hours. So I've got to uh, get up at half seven tomorrow. Well, get up at seven o'clock, out the door at half seven, straight down to the next town for me, drop the machine off, get on the bus, come all the way back past my house and then go to work and uh, and do my day job. So, yeah, that's it's all medical. Other than Bob, you've not had any medical things this week? No, not that I'm aware of. Damn, you, you can leave Apart the Apart from just generally being kind of, you know, fat and unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the cause of blood pressure mainly stress, potentially. Too much salt in your food. So well, I don't put salt on, but I eat ready meals and eat lots yep. of bread. So apparently they're the two things that have the most salt in them. So I need to cut those down. Um, and I can't remember what the other one was because they can't ask me to cut down smoking and drinking because I don't. So uh, <laughs> that, that kind of threw them. 
So, uh, yeah, my day job as well this week. I'm not doing the job that I'm doing. I'm actually looking after a team of people like me who do what I do. So that's fun. Now, like, dropping in at the deep end. So um, it's me and this other guy that's covering this team. But he was off. So I went in on Friday thinking all my stuff would be done from Thursday. No, I had two days worth to do. So I'm hoping he's back back in tomorrow because it's now his week. Because my actual boss took me and him to one side a couple of weeks back. And he said, such and such is off on holiday. How do you two fancy looking after his team? You do it one week, you do it the other week. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm off for that. My week's now finished. But if he's still yeah. off sick, then it's my week again. Uh-oh. In there. I bet he comes in on about Thursday or Friday. Well, I hope not, because he was playing a gig. Because he's a musician. And he was playing yeah. a gig, and there's a picture on his Instagram of him standing up playing a guitar. And the reason I think he was ah. off was because he damaged his ankle. So I'm thinking his ankle's a little bit better now. So I'm hoping yeah, he's if in. Yeah, he can stand up and play, he should be in. Because, I mean, he'll be sat down in the job. Oh, yeah, pretty much. So I'm hoping he's okay, but I'm hoping he's back in because it was quite tiring last week. And uh, I think the final thing on my how's my week been, I the wonderful Bob here loaned me a hedge trimmer. Um, <laughs> so I was trimming... <laughs> Trimming the hedge, and then all of a sudden the thing just went bang. So I brought it back indoors and said to Annette, I said, oh, I think I've just blown the fuse on uh, Bob's hedge trimmer. And she went, it's probably because there's no cable there. I chopped through the power cable, not even realising. So I went online and got Bob a new hedge trimmer, which arrived last night. It's very nice, by the way, Bob. I'll have to show it you next time I see you. So, How short's the cable? Oh, it's quite, <laughs> it's quite a long cable. It's not as short as the cable on your old hedge trimmer. <laughs> That's quite short now. That's about thirty centimeters. So, so that wasn't fun. Um, oh, great. sorry, I shouldn't laugh. No, I, I could have died, and then who would do the podcast? Well, exactly. Down to steward myself then. Pretty much. Well, I think. Please, yeah. yeah, definitely. It's, well, not me. I can't. I can barely use a keyboard. Exactly. So, well, Bob, Bob, welcome to the world of you'll have to do all the editing and publicity. So, there you go. <laughs> Um, I've spent part of the evening printing out the scripts which are nicely formatted for all the three Mimi films as well so I've got them in a nice folder um, I s- I've seen a picture of the camera which I tweeted out today it's a Panasonic Lumix that I'm going to be using to shoot it so it's a very nice piece of kit and it's all got lots of wonderful little accessories like camera cages and shotgun mics and stuff so all I need to do is get a guidebook on how to actually shoot a good film and then I'm well away so um, all is sort of quiet on the Mimi front but things are going on but nothing obviously major until the camera equipment gets here and I sit down with the cast and say right when are you free when I find out when they're free then I can go hunt for a location and then we're up and running so excellent doing well um, I've lined up another guest for me and Stu to talk to at some point of oh, nice Stu where is he where is he he? what was this message yes Um, it was back when we did the horror show which was ages ago Um, a couple of years ago at least wasn't it you kept banging on about this film called Colin yeah which is marketed as was it £50 it apparently cost 65 I think it was £65 to make a movie and a film called Colin. Wow. Is that a vampire movie or a zombie movie, Stu? Vampire. Zombie. Zombie. There zombie. we go. Yeah. I need to watch it. I've got the DVD. I've just never watched it. Um, and I was talking to the creator of that film, Mark Price, who has got another film coming out. And I went, uh, how do you fancy popping on a podcast with me and Stu? And he went, love to. So we've got him coming on around the m- middle of July. 
when his new film comes out. So I messaged Stu around Aww. that time. I'm like, Stu, how do you fancy <laughs> doing this? He's like, yep. So that'll be a guess. Well up for it, aren't you? So, oh, God, yes. I would uh, <laughs> I would get you on that show, Bob, but I know you're not a horror fan. So no, I'm not really a horror fan. You know, so, that's yeah. probably around the time you're going to be on holiday anyway. So I will be listening in. There you go. We will say hi to you. Yep. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get Neil Johnson on again at some point as well. But uh, oh. I know he's listening. Hi, Neil. Um, hi, Neil. Yes. So it's basically tonight we are, we're going to cover what we've watched, what we've played. We've covered what we've done and what we've broke and uh, you know power cables and elbows and stuff. We're going to cover Stephen King adaptations because I watched Stephen King's Silver Bullet again the other day, which I've not seen for ages, and it got me wondering what my favourite Stephen King films were. So you guys have been made aware of that. And this evening I've come up with a little fun quiz which uh, Stu normally does, the quizzes, when the quizzes used to be a thing on the horror show. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to come up with one. So I've done Ooh. that. So uh, Can I put myself down for nil point? You, you can do. <laughs> I mean, even a broken clock. If I get a point, I'll, I'll amaze myself. <laughs> a, a broken clock is right twice a day if it's an analogue one. If True. it's a digital one, it's not really, don't really work, does it? Yeah. And if I get a question wrong, I'm bas- um, blaming it on the pain. In my arm, so yeah, the painkillers are messing <laughs> with your uh, with your movie skills. Yeah. So, have you uh, have you managed to watch any films this week, Stu? If so, what good ones have you watched, or what awful ones? Well, um, like I said, over the next over the last couple of weeks, it's just been quite quiet on the movie front. Um, it's it is sort of like indicative of the way of blockbuster season goes. People think that blockbuster season starts in like sort of like March, April time, and then goes from April to around about September, and then we get that little bit of a lull, and then we have Christmas. But that's not the case. The way it does work is you get a a chunk of big movies, and then you get a couple of weeks when very little gets released, and then you get another chunk of big movies, and then you get another small little couple of weeks where nothing's or very little is released. So um, we're in that sort of like little area where very little is released. But um, the only two films of note that I've seen is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and Hereditary. Well, let's talk Jurassic because you are a massive fan of the director. And you were, if this guy has made a film that isn't great, this will be the first film he's made that's not great and you'll be sad. Yeah. Did he let you down? Yes. Oh, no. Did that yes. make it really, really sad as well? I mean, it's like if anybody else made Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and it wasn't good, you'd probably go, yeah, I don't like it. But is there a little piece of your heart that's been... Is this the cause that's made your elbow fracture because you were so upset at this film? No, because it's not all the director's fault. See, I would have been really disheartened if it was all the director's fault. Yeah, But in this case here... The blame has to land with Juan Antonio Bayona for some of it. Yeah. He has to take the blame. But I think a lot of the blame has to fall on the right and from Colin Trevorrow, who I think, despite the fact that he got a lot of credit for Jurassic World, I think he is one of these sort of like wolves in sheep's clothing kind of directors, <laughs> yep. where um, he's very similar in my eyes to Zack Snyder. Yeah, Zack yeah. Snyder sort of like tricked people into making people think that he is a really good director when in fact he's got two good films and then the rest of his um, catalogue is going from slightly good to absolutely atrocious. 
And I think this is the way Colin Trevor is going to go. Because Jurassic World is not a bad film. It's quite good, but that's about it. But um, The Book of Henry is an awful film. It's so misjudged, that movie itself. Um, Safety Not Guaranteed is not very good as well. Um, he was thrown off Star Wars. He was. And he's, yeah. he's written both Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. And the writing is one of the biggest uh, negatives against Fallen Kingdom. Because the movie itself, it feels like it's two films. You've got like the big blockbuster part of the first half of the film. And then you've got sort of like the Juan Antonio Biona stuff, where it's very small in scale, but big in ideas. And it feels very like Nosferatu, um, very smaller scale movie. And that's the part which I sort of like slightly appreciated a little bit more because you could see that was the part he was allowed to do. But the first part is just a big spectacle and it's a very good big spectacle, but it's just lacking. It's lacking. So, yeah, I have to levy some of the blame to one Antonio Bione. He's the director, so he's responsible for how the film turns out. Um, But the way it's written is badly written. So I I levy a lot of blame on Colin Trevorrow and um, the producers behind the film itself. So now... It's only Dexter Fletcher who's got a 100% record with me. Isn't it? <laughs> Is there any filmmakers, Bob, that you think we, where they've always... I mean, obviously, without looking down their entire filmographies and stuff, is there any that spring to mind where you go, do you know what, you've never let me down? Mm. It's quite difficult. For me, it's Andrew Nichol hasn't let me down. Yeah. He's, you know, he's uh, done stuff like Gattaca and, and whatnot. But. I don't know. I mean, this is it. There's... There's quite a few that are hitting like 95%, but I can't really think of one that's on 100. It's not easy. I think the ones oh. for me that are on the 100 are the ones who've made like four films. Yeah. You know, it's like for the me. The more I think, films you put out, the more yeah. chance you have of having a turkey. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I suppose it's like that with everything, isn't one. it? You know, you write yeah. books or play video games or, or do you boxing matches or something, the odds will come and yeah. get you, but. Um, I think for me at the minute it's Dominic Burns and Andrew Nichol that haven't let me down. So there you go. And I think Dominic's done like five or six or something. So he's not doing yeah. too bad. Um, but yeah, I feel sad because I was hoping that it would be amazing, Stu. So Mr. Bayona could keep his perfect record. Yeah. Uh-oh. But it's nice It's nice to actually see that the only director I think has got a 100% record is a British director. Yes. In Dexter Fletcher. Because every single film that Dexter Fletcher's released so far, I've loved. Now, with Bohemian Rhapsody, because he's not going to be credited as director, even though he directed it, they're still keeping Singer as director. Would you still class that as a Dexter Fletcher film, if it's amazing? Um, see, they're the, the, the harder, harder ones to actually to pin down. Because if you, if you look at, for example, if... Um, Batman vs Superman turned out really good, or if the just uh, Justice League turned out really good. If that turned out a really good film, who do you actually credit it to? Is it uh, Joss Whedon who took over the film, or is it Zack Snyder who started off directing the film? So when a director comes in halfway through a project, or is sort of like not credited as the director, even though they did most of the work, do you still classify it as their film? So exactly. I would look up a percentage of work done. I mean, literally, if the first person has been kind of let go and they end up reshooting a lot of it, I would basically say that you class it as the second director, even if they are uncredited. Yep. 
I think you've got to shoot inside of 70 or 80% of a film to get the credit. And yeah. that's why Dexter Fletcher hasn't got the credit for Bohemian Rhapsody because um, Brian Singer shot most of it. But I'm pretty sure Brian Singer won't be running around doing much press for that film. So I've, I kind of, I don't know. I don't know what Dexter's going to do, whether he's going to step in and do PR or whether he's just finished the film and he'll toddle off. And then in return, that will get him a big gig for whatever next film. He's got. I still, I, hope need, so. I still need to watch Eddie the Eagle. I've not watched all that yet. Yeah, it's really good. That I love that film. I did pick up Sunshine on Leith on Blu-ray. I love that though, film as well, which, which I've not seen, but I picked it up on Blu-ray. So that that's another one of those ones. And I don't know your your slight uh, misgivings when it comes to musicals, but that's another one of those musicals where it gets it right. Yeah. So it, it's able to marry the story perfectly with the songs. So it gets it right. Without one, you would have a slightly weaker film. But because they yeah. both are actually interleaved in the film so perfectly well, and the songs have gravitas towards the story, then it gets it right. Nice. Unlike some other certain film. <laughs> Which we won't mention because, <laughs> you know, it'll, yeah. sh- it'll show up in my favorite films of the year. So we'll talk about that one. <laughs> um, I also got an email from Amazon saying they've posted a Blu-ray out to me because I ordered. And it's if I don't like it, Stu, it's all your fault. Uh, the Shape of Water will be here tomorrow with me. So. That's in my top ten films of the year. Nice. So I'm looking forward to watching that one. Is it a term? I know Del Toro sometimes does English language, sometimes not. Is this subtitle or is it all English no. language? This one? Oh, fully full English language film. Right. Because I know with subtitle films, I don't mind, but I've got to be in a certain mood to watch them. So I just thought, right. He hasn't done a subtitled film for quite a few years now. A Spanish speaking film for quite a few years, Guillermo Del Toro. If you look at direction, he hasn't done one. The last one was Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, how many that years was the ago last. Was that? that was about eight years ago, something Damn. in that region. But yeah, that was the last non-English language speaking film uh, Guillermo del Toro direct. Because if you look at things like um, uh, "Are You Afraid of the Dark," "Crimson Peak," movies yeah. like that, they're English language speaking films. So yeah, I still haven't watched "Crimson Peak" either. I've forgotten. I love "Crimson Peak." It it's yeah, it's a gothic fairy tale with hints of horror. So if you treat it like a, a old school gothic fairy tale, very similar in tone in a way at Edward Scissorhands. Right. Um, it's got that kind of feel to it. But if Guillermo del Toro directed Edward Scissorhands, that's what um, Crimson Peak turns out as. But yeah, it's very old school gothic kind of Nosferatu meets Edward Scissorhands. And it was badly marketed, wasn't it? Didn't they market it yeah. to, to uh, I can't remember what they marketed at, but didn't they market it as an out and out horror film? But it's it, not. But it's not. So there, people went to see it expecting one film, got what it, the film was, didn't like it because they were missold, and then everybody else went, "Oh, that film's terrible." But it's not because you know. Yeah, it's a beautiful looking film. So yeah. treat it as a gothic fairy tale. I do need to watch Crimson Peak. So I'm starting to get back into watching films now. <laughs> Over the past couple of weeks, when I've been concentrating on the Kickstarter and. Uh, writing the screenplays and being ill and stuff like that but now I'm getting back into actually watching movies and playing catch up so um, I think Bob and I are getting all excited about Ready Player One coming out for home release because <laughs> neither of us have seen it so, I have yep. did, you, did you like Bob's nervous I, I liked a lot of it but it has problems yeah yeah oh. yeah I, 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 I did like <laughs> I like the fact that 
it felt like Spielberg was doing his sort of like childlike film again. Yeah. So that that sounds like a discredit against the film itself. But when Spielberg goes back to those films where it feels like a childlike movie, that's what he does best. Yeah. In my in my eyes, and so it did feel like it's it's not there like uh, a lot of his films of that that kind of feel to it, but it gets it so close to it. Yeah. Okay. But it's worth watching now. Yeah, definitely. Good. I think it's out in a few weeks, so Bob and I will probably yeah. purchase that on Blu-ray and, and sit and watch it and chat about it on a podcast at some point. Well, this is it. It was one of the ones that I was I was humming and hawing whether to go and see it at the cinema. Yeah. Uh, because I'd read the book and I'd loved the book, but I'd heard that they'd made a lot of changes to the screenplay. So you kind of you kind of left hanging there thinking, are they going to ruin it? Is it still going to be as good? You know, so I, I kind of I missed out on the opportunity to see it at the uh, the actual cinema. So same here. I think work shifts pretty much killed going to the cinema. I can't remember the last film I actually watched at the cinema this year. I'm kind of stuck. What was the last one you watched, Bob? You probably say, oh, no, no, no. what was the last one? It was the... Um, I can't remember. Oh, cripes. I went with work to see um, oh, you watched, Deadpool 2. Yes, you did. You watched Deadpool 2, didn't you? And that was I the was, last one. I haven't seen that. I, I genuinely can't remember the last film. I'll have a look while we're all nattering or whatever. But um, <laughs> let's have a look. Uh, it was... God, it was ages ago. I've seen... Uh, how many films have I seen this year? Let's have a look. 90 odd. How are you doing, Stu, with your list? 94 I've seen. I don't know, actually. I'm checked. Well, the last film I saw at the <laughs> cinema it was uh, in the Newcastle Film Festival. It was Get Carter and Neil Marshall's Doomsday. So, ah. and, and I always like to remind Stu that I met Neil Marshall. He's a real nice guy. I've got a picture. It's cool. It's all right. Uh. Nice job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't rub it in. <laughs> so, oh, no, the other thing was um, that my week. And I don't I can't go into the film yet because it's not officially been announced or whatever. But um, I was sat in the car next to Bob. We were going out DVD shopping yesterday and got a tweet from a wonderful, wonderful film director who said to me, he said, are you anywhere near Manchester or Birmingham? And I went, well, I'm close to Manchester. Why? He said, oh, I'm hosting a screening of the film and uh, we're having a Q&A panel and I'd like you to host it. So I'm like, all right then. So I'm going to be hosting a Q&A panel in the Manchester Printworks Cinema, the Big View Cinema. Wow. And uh, I'm going to be sitting chatting with uh, actor Will Miller. So that'd be quite cool. And I've been in that cinema. It's, that's pretty much, I would say it's my local cinema. It's not the nearest one, but it's the one that I go to more Most. than any other. What did you watch there, Steve? I saw Goodbye Christopher Robin. Because I was in Manchester with a friend and he was getting a procedure done. So I had about four or five hours to kill. And I was looking for something to do. And obviously my brain went to films. And I saw that (laughs) Goodbye Christopher Robin was playing. And it was the perfect setting to watch something like that. Because it was a nice sized screen. Not too big, not too small. Mm -hmm. And uh, the audience was the perfect kind of audience to watch that kind of film with. So it's a nice cinema. It is. It is my nice. It used to be a different company owned. I can't remember what it was. Audion or something, I think, and then View took it over, closed it down for a couple of weeks, opened it back up. So it's uh, that's the one I go to whenever there's a big film, whenever there's a Star Wars or Force Awakens type movie that comes out. I would rather go to Manchester, watch it in that cinema, and uh, I'm also going to be there this year for the Grimfest 
festival, which I've got press accreditation for. So I'm not quite sure who I'll be meeting, but last time I was there, I met Craig Conway. I'll sit down and have a chat with him and stuff. Um, so <laughs> that's my time in October. But yeah, I'm going to be there 26th of July, I believe, um, hosting a Q&A panel, which is just bonkers. But I'm looking forward to it. And then I'm going to be back in Sci-Fi Wales this year as well, hosting even more panels. So yes. that'll be fun. I should really start doing some prep at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, you were planning on watching something this weekend. Did you manage to watch something this weekend? I didn't. I bought a lot, as you're well aware. We, we, yep, we, we hit the old DVD stores. Yeah, so uh, basically I've got a lot to watch, but I didn't actually get chance. Uh, I have been on call, so I've basically had, you know, been disrupted a little bit on that. Yep. Uh, there's been a couple of happenings that I've had to keep my eyes on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I haven't even had a chance to get out and do the shopping that I need. Oh, <laughs> do it online. It's great. They deliver it to your house and everything. It's okay. I'm, I'm working late next week, so basically I can go down first thing in the morning. Ah, that kind of works. So you've yeah. not you've not watched anything this week? Nope. I, I've been totally without. Right. Well, I've watched five films. Ooh, so, before uh, you mentioned those yes. five, Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. We forgot. Oh, yeah. Yes. We got all embrossed in the dinosaurs. And uh, yeah. so Hereditary. Is it the scariest film ever? Because the marketing was saying it was, so therefore it must be true. No, marketing sucks. The huh. person, the people who are responsible for marketing, no offense here, but people who are responsible for marketing, when they get it wrong, they fuck it up so badly that even a five-year-old kid can do better. <laughs> and I'd agree with you is, on that. Yeah, yeah this is marketing done on a monumentally stupid um, scale. It, it's when they take, they look at, and reviewers are to blame for this as well. Yep. Reviewers, when you're reviewing a film, you can see a film is like this movie, mm-hmm. um, like a specific movie, or it's got hints of this film, or the director borrows ideas from this movie, or like that. Never see it, it is the next, that film. <laughs> so in this case here, with Hereditary, it says, oh, it's this year's, um, it's the next Exorcist. Never see it like that. No. See that. It's a homage to The Exorcist, or it takes a few ideas from The Exorcist, but never see it is the next, because you're instantly going to shoot yourself in the foot. No matter what, (laughs) um, even if the film is bad, there is always going to be people out there who deem that movie to be brilliant, so you're always going to shoot yourself in the foot. So never do that. So in this case, it was two reviewers who said that Hereditary is this generation's exorcist. So it was two reviewers who were responsible. One is a reviewer for Time Out magazine. So a high-up um, reviewer who said that. So they should feel ashamed for themselves. The film itself is fantastic. I loved it. I thought the film is brilliant, and it is very, very tense. It's not a horror film in the normal sense of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's okay. more the, akin to movies like The Witch Ooh. and The Babadook. So films like that, so and um, Rosemary's Baby, it it's it it is got, it takes a lot of ideas from Rosemary's Baby, uh, to be honest. So if you treat it very similar to what a Rosemary's Baby film is like, then you'll know what Hereditary will be actually like. So I, I, if the turn around on the poster and says it's this generation's Rosemary's Baby, that would have been a better comparison than saying it's this generation's Exorcist. But don't even do that as well. Performances are absolutely phenomenal. 
Um, I, I cannot put a, fo- um, a fault wrong with the performances. Tony Collette, it's just brilliant, but she's brilliant in everything that she's been in. Yep. Um, standout one is Millie Shapiro. She plays the uh, 12-year-old girl, Charlie, who you see on the poster itself, who looks like she's got that disfigured face. She is just outstanding. She's got a, um, a brilliant career ahead of her. But the movie, it takes its time, and then it builds up to her last 20 minutes where it just never lets you go. It's just relentless, just nonstop for the last 20 minutes. But the first hour and 10, hour and 20 minutes of the film itself just builds up and builds up so much so that you're just pretty much on the edge of your seat by the time you get to the last 20 minutes. And if that's the case, you're going to be falling down the aisle in the cinema because you're just going to fall over seats because it's just nothing but relentlessness from there on in. So I really liked it. It's not the best film I've seen this year. I still think horror-wise, if you treat Hereditary as a horror, A Quiet Place is the best horror film I've seen this year. Yep. But it's definitely up there with one of the better films I've seen this year. Nice. But it's not this year's Exorcist or this generation's Exorcist. Nothing is this generation's <laughs> no, Exorcist. It's, it's not. <laughs> no. Just don't, don't do that. I, I'm, my guess is directors who you've had on the show here would agree that um, they would hate it if somebody said, oh, um, this film is this generation's that. If somebody Definitely, like yeah. if you were speaking to Neil Marshall and some critic said that um, this specific film that's out this year is this generation's Dog Soldiers, they were going, "No, stop comparing it on that front." There, it's not. It's this generation's this film, so it's this generation's Hereditary. Yeah. Well, what I've learned about film marketers though is they just pretty much do what they think is best, even if it's against what the filmmakers want. You know, yeah. they they will change titles, and I suppose the filmmakers do have to make money. So if like if they go, we'll buy this film, but we want to change the name to X Y Z. Yeah, well, yeah, if I'm going to get money for that, I guess yeah, I'm okay with that. They're sort of compromised to a certain level. But I'd put the um, the tweet out for the new Mark Price film the, with the tra- the trailer on it, and he tweeted back at me going, "The director does not endorse this trailer." So I private messaged him. I'm like, "What what do you mean by that?" He went, "I don't like the trailer." So they they will cut trailers as well, and they'll also cut Suicide Squad if you want to get into that one. So <laughs> yeah, the, the marketers. I would love to let the filmmakers sit down and do the marketing as well. It's like they yeah. make they make the film, so let them just follow it through and do what they do. It's crazy, yeah. but it's like British films are bad for that because how often it's not as bad now, but it was bad a few years ago where this is the best British film since. Bridget Jones's Diary, or East is East, or Train Spotting, <laughs> or Lockstock, whatever the big hit was, the next few films that came out, that was the best British film since the previous one, and it just cascaded for like a decade or two. Very annoying. I think the worst company for that was Lionsgate. They did bad Li- ones. Yeah. yeah, Lionsgate were, were really awful for that. They were obsessed with doing things like that, and also plastering, oh, from the executive producer of Saw. Yeah. Who cares if the executive producer has something to do with this film from Saw? I, I don't care about that. From the catering company that, that uh, fed the crew of Avatar comes this new film. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. But you do, you see that a lot. You, when you're walking past the poster, you'll just see like Avatar or something and you go, ooh, they've got a new film. No, they haven't. The, the wardrobe supervisor's got a new film. Yeah. It's bonkers. So, but yeah, so I'll watch Hereditary and I'll watch A Quiet Place. They are on my list to watch anyway at some point. So Good. 
Um, I've watched a, I think it's from the Philippines, to be honest. And I'm hoping you've seen it, Stu, and if you've not, then you definitely check it out. It's a film called Killers. No, it doesn't ring a bell. It's from the producers, not the executive producers, mind you. It's from the actual producers, so it's a Gareth Evans film, uh, of The the Raid. And it is two guys who don't know each other, but one of them is a serial killer. And he inadvertently triggers the same sort of response in a journalist who also becomes a serial killer. And they start videoing their victims and uploading them to a YouTube-style thing to to sort of compete with each other. Very, very gruesome shit. Not a horror film, but a very, very violent thriller. Um, I'm trying to find out. It's just... I've got, I can pass. I can easily pass Bob on the DVD because I've got it. <laughs> a little bit trickier to get it to use, to, But let's have a look. Because I was watching it last night. I can't find it now. Let's have a look. Keeps bringing up the bloody Ashton Kutcher thing. So yeah, if you if you go on IMDb basically and put in the raid, follow Gareth Evans, and then it will uh, come up with Killers. But it's very, very, good, very brutal though. So yeah. it is. It's as brutal as a horror film can be in places. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. So I, I thought Stu would have watched that one. I watched. Uh, I don't know how much Stu is a fan of Adam Sandler, so I do like to bring a, a kind of an Adam Sandler film on. I watched Zookeeper, which is great. Please tell me you've seen that one, Stu. I have. I guess you don't like it. You don't like no. it, do you? I can tell by the tone. God no. How can you not like a film? So you've got um, you've got Adam Sandler voicing a monkey. Um, I'm in already. Sylvester Stallone voicing a lion. You've got uh, John Favreau voicing a bear. It's great, and it's animals talk, and it's uh, it's Kevin. Kev- What's his name? It's not Kevin Hart. Kevin, Kevin James. Kevin James. I couldn't think of his name. Uh, Kevin James is great. If you've not seen Grown Ups, you got to watch that. It's classic. Second one, shit. Don't bother with that one. But uh, Kevin James is a zookeeper. His ex-girlfriend shows up. He then goes, oh, I might leave my role as a zookeeper. And weirdly enough, all the animals can talk to him. So they start trying to matchmake and sort his relationship stuff out. It's kind of bonkers. It's pure sort of Adam Sandler produced material, uh, but it's kind of nuts. So it's uh, it's good. We watched that one after we watched Killers. So a nice sort of comparison. Yeah, total nice. different change of pace. No, I thought they were exactly the same. <laughs> we also watched Sleuth from 2007, which is a remake of the Laurence Olivier, Michael Caine one. This is now Michael Caine playing the Laurence Olivier role and Jude Law playing the Michael Caine role. And it's based on a play, it's a Harold Pinter thing. And it's there's only like two people in it. Technically, there's two more if you look at it people on the TV screen when they're watching telly or whatever, but it's just two people and it's a battle of words but it was I liked it, it was interesting you could tell it's a play yeah. but it's great, so have you seen the original one Bob? I have what, I what, loved the original so Is it a while since you've seen it? Um, Probably about four years oh, okay. Have you seen the remake though? I haven't, no, but I want to with what you've said about this one before, is you know, basically I want to watch it. I'll try not to be too critical, but it's one of those. It's always one of those with me. You know me. I, I don't. It takes a lot to win me over on a remake. Yeah. 
There are some so, good remakes, though. And the, the oh, old yeah. remakes, people still bash remakes, but I suppose that's because 80% of them suck. <laughs> so yeah. It's, you know, there's only a few decent ones, like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead would be a good one. But there's, there's a few. But Sleuth, I think, was good. But I put a tweet out that I'd watched it, and there's maybe two or three people came back at me going, yeah, the original's better. Like, well, the original <laughs> might be better, but I haven't got the original one. I've got the remake. Like I say, I want to watch it just to see. Yeah. It was interesting. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Michael Caine playing the other side. Yeah. Like you say, he played the young guy in the first one. Now he's playing the Olivier role. So, yeah. He is. Yeah, you've got Jude Law playing the, the young person who's... It basically shows up at the guy's house wanting a divorce for the older guy's wife, basically. Um, yeah. And about this one, anyway. I'm guessing it's the same for the original. But it... and. You know, battle of words ensues, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's kind of weird though because you see things coming up in it, and you'll be like, "Why are you doing that? You're being done up like a kipper, pal." So, but and it keeps you on your toes. So it was yeah. quite uh, it was interesting. So, and uh, what else? The final one I watched was a French film from 2013, Jeune and Jolie, which apparently means young and beautiful, and uh, it's a weird one. We, we have this rule where if we'll put a film on and within half an hour, if we both decide it's crap, we'll just get rid of it. We're like, do you know what? We're done. And yeah. I got about 15 minutes into this thing and I'm like, I looked at the the display thing on the Blu-ray and I'm like, oh, it's only been on quarter of an hour. <laughs> so next, looking at me laughing and then I put it on again and I'm like, oh, it's only been on 22 minutes. Oh, jeez got to get to the half hour but we watched it all because it turned out it was really really good and it was uh this girl who she looked french she did you, you yeah. could see a picture and you go yep you're, you're a french actress for some reason um and she was 16 years old she was a virgin she was sitting on the beach showing herself off to this german dude next thing they sleep with each other so she's not a virgin anymore and then it fades to black and then it fades back in. It's a new season. It's like autumn now. So you go, okay, what's going on now? And she's she's gone from sleeping on the on the beach with this German guy. Now she's a high class escort. I don't know how. How? I don't know how <laughs> she. Be- and they never explained that. So it pretty much follows her as she leads a secret life, and she ends up sort of uh, riding somebody to death, shall we say? So Oof. this this older dude that looks a bit like the cigarette smoking man from X Files. Yeah. And he dies of heart attack, and she's like, oh no. And it's kind of weird, but it was just, you have to keep watching this film, because you go, where the hell is it going? What the hell is it about? And uh, she's going to get into trouble for that, because you can't just run off and leave a corpse in a hotel. So it, was, <laughs> uh, it was interesting. I don't know if I need to watch it again. <laughs> but it was, it, I did make it all the way through, 93 minutes, and then it was done. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, very, very odd one. And that was, where you got a weird mix of films, because we rolled dice and and pick films that way. And this came up as the screener. So we selected a disc, which is why we didn't know what the hell it was about, because it's just a screener disc with the title on it. Um, <laughs> so it's very, very odd. I think it was a Lionsgate one. I don't think, I don't know, maybe on the box they wrote, this is the best French film that isn't The Exorcist. Maybe they might have yeah. possibly written on that one. I don't know. But it was odd. <laughs> so, uh, TV-wise, I watched an entire season of Cobra Kai, which is great. I was off on Thursday and thought, right, well, I've got this blood pressure thing strapped to me, so 
I'm going to just have a quiet day and have a rest because I was back in work on Friday. I thought I'll just watch one episode of Cobra Kai. Accidentally watched episode number six. Didn't really realise I was watching episode number six. Then I thought, hang on a minute, I think I've watched these in the wrong order. So I started from episode number one and blitzed the entire ten episodes in a single day. And that is a great show. Uh, Makes the Karate Kid look like a dick, which is quite interesting. Very, very clever. It's got Ralph Macchio back and William Zadko back as um, Johnny Lawrence. So they're reprising. Unfortunately, no Mr. Miyagi because uh, he's not with us anymore. But there's lots of flashbacks of him. So his, uh, his his presence is there. But yeah, 10 episodes of Cobra Kai in a day. Totaled up to about five hours. Totally loved the show. Could easily just go back and watch it again. It's great. So I'm super excited about season two. <laughs> So yeah, are you are you um, a Karate Kid fan, Steve? The first one's um, obviously a classic, but after that, pass. Would you go <laughs> and watch a series about how they are now? Nope. Why? It's great. <laughs> I don't watch TV to be honest. Anywhere, I know it's a YouTube thing, but I st- yeah. no, no. I, I'm one of these people who ends up watching like one episode of something and then pretty much forgets watching the rest. Uh, the, apart from Rick and Morty, but that's it. Is that like the only TV show that you're keeping up to date with then, Rick and Morty? Yeah, um, Rick and Morty, yeah, pretty much, just Rick and Morty. And the Bake Off. the only TV. No, I don't even watch that Damn. anymore. But yeah, it, it is pretty much just Rick and Morty. Now, you, how happy are you that they've greenlit God knows how many episodes of Rick and Morty? Because it's like record-breaking, isn't it? They're like, we want another 100 or something. Yeah, it just depends on what Justin Rollin actually does with it and hoping he doesn't do a Simpsons. Because, like, after um, The Principal and the Pauper in season nine of The Simpsons, that's when it went downhill in quality. Yeah. So as long as we don't get fatigue from watching too much Rick and Morty, then, yeah, I'm happy. Okay. And, uh, Bob, you must be happy that Lucifer sounds like it's been saved. I am, yes. Like I say, um can't go wrong with a good kind of comedy which that is um so yeah I, i'm well up for that yeah it it was sad that it kind of you know got dropped after three seasons but yeah i, I don't know where they're going to take it but um i'm pretty sure there's plenty more stuff they can do because uh like i say you know the comics were fantastic so yeah and at Again. least with with this at Netflix, they'll uh, just dump an entire season on you, won't they? Yeah. Which is good, rather than week to week, which <laughs> ends up on Amazon or whatever. Yeah. Um, you guys haven't started on Black Mirror yet? Nope. nope. Damn. We're partway into season <laughs> four on that one, so we're loving it. Um, yeah, so film of the week, Steve. It's not going to be, it's going to be hereditary, no. isn't it? Yeah, it's hereditary. And uh, I would like to ask Bob that, but he hasn't watched anything. So. Nope, nothing there. Damn. Your, your homework for next week is to watch something. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time just gets away, though, doesn't it? Well, like I say, I'm not on call next week, so and I'm on late. So I've got a feeling that uh, you know, basically I'll be getting in about 9 o'clock at night, yeah. and uh, I'll probably, you know, probably put something on then, you know. Try not to put something on too long. Don't want a four-hour epic, but, yeah. Oh, God, no. So no Dancing with Wolves or Schindler's <laughs> no. List or Heaven's Gate. No, no. 
You Two can hours. Watch my life is a courgette. It's no, I didn't. One minutes. Do you know what? I I was sitting downstairs earlier on thinking, oh shit, I've not done my homework, and I haven't, but I will. I've just been yeah. sort of <laughs> stupidly busy. Um, has Andy managed to watch it yet? Nope. Damn. Nope. Oh. This, we're just all letting you down, aren't we? Yep. <laughs> I don't know why people are, are so adverse to watching My Life as a Courgette. It's a phenomenal little film, and it's only on for 61 minutes. I'll I think give it a go this week. I'll try and give it a go, yeah. Where is yeah. it? Do, is, do we have to pick Amazon. it up on Amazon? So it's no excuse then, because, Bob, yeah. you've got Amazon, so have I. Exactly. So The Red Turtle is on there as well, so Song of the Sea, three of the best animated films released in the last 10 years. So there is three zero. of the best films released in the last 10 years, actually, to be honest. <laughs> and we haven't watched them. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and make you happy. We'll tweet you when we've watched it. Or at least watch one yes. of them. That's a start, isn't it? Yeah, because the the people who made um, Song of the Sea is an Irish company called Leica. Yeah. Not Leica. Not Leica. It's, um, it's a different company. Leica's the people who did Kubo and the Two Strings and Box Trolls. They're British anyway. But yeah, it's a, it, they're an Irish um, animation studio did uh, The Secret of Kells. And also did Song of the Sea and did a film which was Oscar-nominated called The Breadwinner. Animated film called The Breadwinner, which was Oscar-nominated. They, they did that. That's a phenomenal film as well. So, yeah, they, they don't release very many films, but they're an Irish company. So you might as well classify them as the in the United Kingdom. But yeah, yeah I highly, highly recommend the stuff that us, us Brits, when we come to make animated films, um, when uh, Ardman did early man because i reviewed that a few weeks ago which i really like that it's very old-fashioned ardman it's very much of akin to like watching a wallace and gromit movie and yeah. um, they're british like a studios like i said who did box trolls and coop on the two strings strings they're british um the person who did uh, the red turtle michael deductivit he is sort of like got british ties because he does his animation in in the uk so we've got phenomenal animation coming from the uk now, early man, this is not computer-generated Ardman. This is back to the plastic Stop motion. Chick- it's still, yeah, it's still stop motion. Yeah, they, they haven't deviated from that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's very old-school Wallace and Gromit. And it's sort of yeah. like humour. It's humour is very much like the wrong trousers. That kind of Wallace and Gromit, not like... Even though The Curse of the Were-Rabbit is really good, I still think the wrong trousers is like pinnacle uh, Wallace and Gromit. Yes. So it, it's yeah. Creature Comforts meets Wallace and Gromit. Nice. So stay away from Flushed Away, which that's yeah. one of the that's the only misstep I think I've seen Ardman do. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. <laughs> um, so here's a question, Stu. With the, your show, because you watch all the new releases and it's not there, how the hell do you plan your schedule for it? So how far in advance do you know what's com- coming out in the um, future? Well, Amazon used to have a brilliant schedule to find out what's released on Blu-ray and DVD um, a few months in advance, but they've got to mess that around, so I have to dig deep into Amazon's website to find the release date. So I plan about five weeks in advance. So I have the lineup of stuff that's released at home release and cinemas five weeks in advance, because I use another website called Launching Films, which is a brilliant site to use for to plan your films in advance in the cinema. Um, so I use that for the cinema and I use Amazon for home release, but I have to dig deep to find it. 
Yeah, because I know they've they've got the new and future releases and all that sort yeah. of stuff, or and then the pre-order section and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's um, but the the worst thing about home release ones is the dates can change with a click of a finger, yeah. whereas with the cinema ones, they can change, but they don't change with a click of a finger. You know, if a film has been delayed, I think the one that's still sort of like dangling by a thread at the moment is uh, Slenderman at Sony. Yeah, because the um, the producers behind Slenderman are actually looking to sell the film off to a different distributor, even though Sony have a release date for the film of August the twenty eighth. So they want to try and sell it off to a dis- different distributor because they believe that Sony is not doing a good job with its marketing for I the think, film itself. I think also it doesn't help that in the US that sort of film has been linked to um, unsavory real-life incidents and all that sort of stuff. So I remember hearing yeah. bits of press about that, so I'm sure they want to get rid of it to another but distributor. The, the worst thing about blaming the film itself is they should actually blame the person who came up with the meme in the first place because it is based on a, a based on a meme that somebody created and then the two girls did the, the murder of this other girl in America. So the film itself is sort of like, in a way, based slightly off that. But the myth behind Slenderman was built up over these creepy pastas and all of these video games and stuff like that. It's annoying that they have to blame the movie. Yeah, they do. They the, do, do the same thing with the James Bulger thing, wasn't it? It's like let's yeah. blame let's blame Chucky movies. You're like, no, let's yeah. blame two little shits that killed somebody. Yeah. Did you say they're making a TV series out of Child's Play? They are. Are they going to? Um, is this going to be a, a reboot type thing, or is this going to be a no, continuation no, sort of thing? It's if you've not seen, have you seen Cult of Chucky? No. Well, I'm okay. I'm okay if you spoil it. It's fine. Yeah, Cult of Chucky. You know, at the end of um, Curse of Chucky, where you've got that, uh, you've got the pre-credit sequence where you yep. see the kid from the first Child's Play film come back as an adult. Well, um, at the end of Cult of Chucky, you see Tiffany come back. Right, yeah. Yeah, and so um, you see her drive up to the insane asylum where Chucky has now multiplied. So there's more than just one Chucky. There's um, there's a few uh, psychopathic good guy dolls now. And you see her get in a car with the original Chucky itself. So, yeah, uh, Tiffany is back with the Tiffany doll as well. So the Tiffany doll is there as well. So um, they could just easily create the TV series from there. Plus there's, um, there is another sequence from the girl who was in the third Child's Play film. She's in this one as a pre-credit sequence as well. So it's just for like fans who know the Child's Play series. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, they can easily make a TV series out of it because there's multiple different Chuckies now. So they can just explore it where these Chuckies have been sent off. It sounds really dodgy saying his name. But they can they can do it where the doll itself has been sent off to different parts of the world. So shipped off to different parts of the world. And he's gone on a killing spree in different areas of the world. They could do that. Wow. Who would have ever thought we'd get a Child's Play TV series? It's great. Yeah. Who would have ever thought that we would have gotten a, an Evil Dead TV series? But we did. That's very true. The Karate Kid TV series. They're all, you know, I think the one that sort of struck me was when they said we're going to do a prequel to Cycle. You're like, that can't not possibly work. But it did, and it was great. So, If you've not checked Bates Motel out, I highly recommend it. 
And uh, who'd have thought they'd have made a good series at Hannibal? Oh no, they didn't. They did two decent seasons and then killed it with the third one. Oh. Yes, never mind. Um, so Stephen King, has everybody done their homework? Yes. Yep. Right, how easy was it? Very. Bob? Yeah, I'd say quite easy? easy, yeah. Okay. Now, sort of top five, this is our five favourite Stephen King adaptations. Um, I I thought it was really easy, and then I realised I'd forgotten a lot, so I had to sort of <laughs> get rid of some, get rid of the obvious ones. Um, so I kind of, I don't know, there's, there's ones that are going to be in Stu's list that unfortunately aren't in mine. Uh, there's probably going to be some in Bob's list that aren't in mine either, but I'm pretty sure we'll give a nice um, overview of Indeed. Stephen King stuff. So what's your thought on the Stephen King adaptations, Stu? Do you get excited when you see one, or do you get a little bit nervous? Or Depends, um, because the thing with Stephen King adaptations is they've started off, they started off brilliant, and then there was a lull. Then there was a couple of good films, and then there was some atrocious stuff, and now we're in a renaissance of Stephen King stuff, so we're back to the, the good stuff. So it just depends on what area of his adaptations you look at. Does. Yeah, so stay away from Graveyard Shift. <laughs> that was like the pinnacle of the shit Stephen King adaptation, if I remember rightly enough. That and Thinner. Dreamcatcher, which I can't yeah, stand that film itself. Dreamcatcher wasn't and great. Golden Years S- wasn't great either. Cell. Cell is a terrible oh, movie. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. Thanks for reminding me. That was awful. And I yeah. like John Cusack and Stephen King. So Cell can't be that bad, can it? Yes, it can be. It's freaking awful. Yep. Oh, <laughs> and it's Fox. really rare that you would say something like that about a oh, film. So it was terrible. It must have been bad. Yeah, it was bad. Bob, I mean, you've uh, you've been around since before the Stephen King movies came out. Indeed, indeed. Damn, yeah, I'm, I'm showing my age again. <laughs> I mean, to be to be fair, I was around, but I was only five when I think Carrie came out. So, but you've been around longer than that. So. Oh yeah. Uh, only by a few years, not too much. So, what's your thought on Stephen? I mean, Bob, you are you excited when you see a Stephen King thing, or is it generally whatever the, the subject matter is that will pique your interest or not? It is more a case of a subject matter. I do love him because, like I say, he's done some absolutely cracking ones, stories as you know, stories as well as like film adaptations and TV adaptations. Um, and he's one of these authors that um, he's not tied to one genre no so like you say some of his to my, to my mind some of his best stuff isn't his horror stuff yeah well that's just me because you know my thoughts on horror <laughs> mm-hmm. but then again I'm, I'm you know kind of it may shock you a couple of the ones that i've chosen so <laughs> have you read any of his books bob yes which ones uh i loved the dark tower books um i, I was yep. very big on those um I mean, you know, kind of the genres that I read. Um, yeah. It was a case of, you know, when they came out, it was a case of, oh, Stephen King's doing one of these. Ooh. So, yeah, it, it was one of those. So, yeah, I, I've read several of his books. So, yeah. Favourite book? Or would that spoil the list that you're going to um, I'm, go I'm, through? I'm films? withholding that one till okay. go through the films. Well, the only <laughs> ones I've read, I think there was a short story compendium or whatever it was called, Four Past Midnight that yes. had uh, the long walk and stuff like that in it so I've read that one and I've read the full version of The Stand and I've also read The Green Mile when that was released it was released every 
every month I think they released a little volume of it now I had all the little volumes of that one so I've read that um, Annette's read shitloads of them so this yes. is why I end up watching Stephen <laughs> King films over the past few weeks I have got showing up this week the new Blu-ray version of Firestarter which has got uh, obviously the film on it, two commentaries interviews, behind the scenes stuff, a pollster and some art cards so I'm oh, quite yeah. looking forward to because um, Firestarter was the first 15 certificate film that I sneaked into when I was 14, and I was <laughs> I was doing it as a test run to see if I could actually get away with sneaking in to watch Rambo when that came out later on in the year or whatever, and I successfully yeah. managed to watch um, Firestarter at the cinema because I'm like I want to watch that because that's the girl from ET, so that's pretty much the only reason I went to see Firestarter. So Stu, <laughs> you read any Stephen King books? Yeah, I've read a couple. Um, not very many, but I have read a few. Um, I've read Carrie, um, which I found really interesting. Children of the Corn, which the book's not very good. Oh. Um, the film's actually better than the book, okay. which is uh, interesting uh, Yeah, from that point of view. So a, a couple. I've read The Shining as well. Um, sometimes uh, with these films, when the film comes out, I might read the book after seeing the film itself just to see if it lines up. So Green Mile. I watched the film and then just, uh, ages after it came out because I didn't see it in the cinema. Um, but yeah, I read the book after a while after watching the film. So I've read a couple of his his books. Obviously, one which I definitely have read. Yes, I would have thought so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we start? So um, I've got a couple of. No, I'm not going to go for my honourable mentions because some of them are going to appear on yours. So who wants to go first? Stu, do you want to go first, or should we make Bob go first? We'll make Bob. There we go. Bob, Stephen okay, King, okay. top five adaptations. Well, I'll get the um, the elephants in the room out of the way to begin with. Yep. Now, the rather obvious ones in my mind, and you, you, you will pull me up on ones that I've not mentioned, I know, but I, um, no, some of the not, ones it, that I won't mention are the ones that I knew you guys would pick. It's hard work because so, there's loads that I would mention that I just, I've chose not to because we're only yeah. allowed five. So, yeah, there's a lot that aren't on mine. It should be. Well, I'm going to go for the obvious one here um, from my side of the page of everything on this and say the Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Based on yeah, Rita, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, wasn't it? I think the story, exactly short story. Yeah. And yep. it was short, yeah. But it, it, this is it. it. This was a film that you put me onto many years ago. And it's one of those ones I don't believe it did very well at the actual cinema. No, it didn't. But it's become an absolute cult classic when it's been released, you know, video, DVD, Blu-ray. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's one that I could quite happily watch, you know, once every couple of months. Definitely. The story's great. The acting is phenomenal. You know, you can't go wrong with it. It's very quotable as well. Because it's like, oh, I mean, yes. in my in my workplace, I can even get away. I mean, a lot of people in my workplace generally younger than I am. But if I use the phrase, I remember the first time I met such and such, they all know it's from Shawshank. <laughs> or if you use the fresh fish, fresh fish, they all know what film that's from, even though I'd be shocked if half of them have seen the film. They know the phrases. Yep. So it's uh, it is good stuff. Yep. Second one I'm going for is the other obvious one, which is The Green Mile. Um, you know, basically it's a case of, again, it, it's not a horror one. So, you know, um, but it, it's a great adaptation. Again, you know, the film was very well received, very well done, very well acted. 
Um, I'm hoping that Mr. Miller won't shoot me down on that one. I would hope not. But yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, again, that's one. It's not exactly a feel good, but you could watch that over and over. I think it's unfairly compared to Shawshank, though, isn't it? Because people, because they're both prison films. Yes. And they're both Stephen King adaptations and, and whatnot. And yeah. People compare them. Which one do you prefer? So we, I don't know. Yeah. Right. For the third one, um, this is another one that you introduced me to. And it is the ultimate in feel good movies, honest. Okay. And that is The Mist. <laughs> That's on my list as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah. When I say it's the ultimate in feel good movies, oh. I am being, of course, sarcastic. Oh, it's such a the kicker of an ending. It's amazing. Yeah. Yep. No spoilers, but yeah, no. the ending just kind of, what the. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a feel good, but I love the film. I think the yeah, mist is like you, you go you go to a restaurant, you have a really nice meal, and at the end you go, Did you enjoy your meal? You go, that was amazing, and you hit you in the face with a frying pan. Yes. Kind of like the equivalent of that, isn't it? <laughs> Great Definitely. film. Don't don't watch the T V series though, it's a bit shit. Oh. So it lasted like so. one season and then died. But yeah, the mist is also on my list. Yeah. The other one, and again, um I'm going to go back. I, I don't know if you'll allow me this. You should do because Although it's a TV adaptation, it was one of the first ones that I ever watched or knew of of um, Stephen King. Yep. And that was the first adaptation of Salem's Lot. Yep. Good yeah, choice. David yep. Soul, James Mason. Yeah. Yep. Very, very good. No, I would yeah. let you have that one because all the homework was Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. So, so not necessarily movie adaptations, could be adaptations. Again, eminently quotable. Yeah. Yep. So is it? No, I can't remember any quotes from that one. You like Mister Barlow? He like you? Oh yes. Yeah. That's the ultimate one. Yeah. Yeah. James Mason doing that. Um, and then the other one, the final one that I've put on here, I, I've had to put it on, even though, uh, as you know, I've picked up the film, I've not had chance to watch it, but I am so eager for it, and that is the Dark Tower. Oh. I could hear Stu spinning in his chair. Say nothing. <laughs> See, I really like the Dark Tower. And I didn't. I, it's no, I don't think anybody did. To be honest, no. this is it. I've seen clips of it. YouTube, of course, have put up several and what have you. You've seen um, the film, then? No, no. Well, yeah, probably. Um, yeah. But I love the books, so I'm. Oh, you know, I am very kind of eager to read uh, to, to watch this. And We're doomed. I mean, come on, Idris Elba. Yeah. <laughs> and many did. Many went, you know what? I like Matthew McConaughey. He's great. And I like Idris Elba. And they come out of Dark Tower going, what happened? So, you know, but I'm not bashing <laughs> the film. I, I, yeah, they don't know. I genuinely did enjoy the film. But it's yeah. a lot of people didn't. didn't. When I tell people <laughs> I enjoyed it, they go, really? It's like, yeah. They're like, oh, okay. I seem to be like isolated on yeah. that one. But I thought it was fun. But I've not so, read okay. the books, so. Those are my five, so I will hand the, uh, the the microphone over to Mr. Miller. Yeah, so um, five different ones then. Uh, so first one on my list is Cujo. Oh, good yep. choice, yeah. It was actually one of the first Stephen King adaptations that I watched, Cujo. What I want to watch as well. Yeah. Psychopathic dog, considering that as a kid I grew up with um, lots of dogs. But Ooh. yeah, it's just... Uh, 
my mum was captivated by the film. And I think that's maybe the reason why I was captivated by it. It's just because yeah. it was one of those ones where my mum let me watch it. And she didn't know that I was sort of like watching horror films. That was down to my cousin who sort of like got me into horror movies. But she didn't know that I was watching horror films. So when she allowed me to watch specific films, um, Cujo was one of them. There is another film which you should never watch with your parents. And I can't believe I have. <laughs> As a, I was, I think I was nine, ten yep. when I watched Deliverance. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it was it, the reason why I watched it is because I wasn't very well and it was on ITV. It was at 11 o'clock at night. They replaced Prisoner Cell Block H because they showed it on the Thursday night after Married with Children. And Prisoner Cell Block H was off the air for a few weeks. And me mum used to uh, watch Prisoner Cell Block H. And so with me not being very well, I was allowed to steer up. And yeah, Deliverance was the film that was on in its place. So yeah, I watched Deliverance at the age of like nine. So you should, yeah, never do that. But, um, Cujo, yeah, it's it's just because my my mum allowed me to watch it, and so I watched it, and I just thought, oh my god, dogs can be like this. They're, that dog is psychopathic, but dogs can be murderous as the as much as they are in Cujo, and I, I really liked it. It's very visceral. And quite violent as well. But for an animal lover, you'll just absolutely hate the animal, but you'll love the animal at the same time. That's, just, oh, that, that's the thing, isn't it? We watched it a few weeks back, and I've seen it before, but I've not rewatched it for a couple of decades. And we just felt sorry for the dog. Yeah. Because it's, it's like it got, it got bitten, it got rabies, it didn't do anything, and then it's been turned mad. And it's like, well, it's not the dog's fault. We, we were heartbroken by the end of it. It's like, oh, my God. You just want to give it a hug. You do. And then from, get ripped apart by it. <laughs> hug it from get somebody else to give it a hug. That's yeah. pretty much why I wanted to phone Bob up and go, go hug that St. Bernard. I just <laughs> don't want to do it because it's got rabies. Yeah, so um, <laughs> Bleeding into Cujo with very similar themes, Pet Cemetery. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. I really like as well. Not the sequel. The sequel's awful. Oh, um, the first the first one is actually really good, and it still makes me cringe to the, to this day with the ankle slicing scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the only thing that ever cr- makes me cringe in horror films. If somebody puts a, s- a scene where somebody's getting their ankle sliced, oh, that makes me cringe. But people can get ripped apart and I wouldn't be bothered by it. Is that hostile? <laughs> you got a hostile yeah. blowtorch in eyeballs. Fine. Cut a tendon. Oh, my God. Why are they showing yeah. that? That's not right. Yep. So so well done, um, Pet Cemetery. You're one of the only films that can make me cringe. No matter how many times I've seen it, <laughs> the ankle slicing scene still makes me go, oh, oh when I watch it. Yeah. So, are you excited uh, about the, the up-and-coming remake? We'll see if it's got an ankle slicing scene in it, then I'll let you know. <laughs> There's like 90 minutes of ankle <laughs> slicing. Yeah, oh. so Pet Cemetery, then um, Children of the Corn is yes. my next choice, which, again, I really like. The amount of sequels they made from that film. There's actually a new one coming out this year, oh, um, a new Children of the Corn sequel. I think they're onto like the twelfth um, in the wow. series. I know I th- I've seen about seven of them, eight of them. Um, I think I st- I know I saw Children of the Corn six 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 when Blockbuster was still um, on the high street, um, and I watched it and thought it was awful. But I-, I think I watched the seventh one. I know I have actually seen the seventh one, but I think I stopped there. Yeah, three. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a, there is a new Children of the Corn this this year. I watched the trailer of it, and oh my god, it looks awful. So I'm not looking forward to reviewing that thing. But I, yeah, the, I, the first... I do remember the the first. Who's the guy? Was it Isaac? Was he the character yeah. in the first one? Creepy as shit. Creepy character. So, creepy yeah. ginger kid. And yes. I was a ginger kid as well. Not that creepy, but <laughs> no. yeah, very very creepy ginger kid. But I really like Children of the Corn. Ignore the rest of the sequels, but. Yeah, it, it, a lot of people keep on disregarding it. Well, yeah, it's creepy. Don't, don't um, watch the remake either. It's freaking awful. It was on Horror Channel the other month and yeah. watched it. We gave up. It's like, forget it. I prefer the 1984 one. Yeah, the um, the new one follows in the same plot points as the, the remake, from what yeah. I could gather. Okay. So, yeah, you'll probably not get uh, on good terms with that one. Um, next choice is It. Now, it's the up-to-date version of It, the Andreas yes. Muschietti. And Barbara Muschietti version of it, not the original. Now, the original, I admire for Tim Curry. The rest of the film, no. Uh, TV series. But yep. this, the Andreas Muschietti one, spot on. Gets the tone spot on. Gets the humor spot on. Um, It is scary. It uses jump scares. But, yeah, it, it is scary. The VR companion app to it works like a treat. So I've got the VR companion app. Um, it, it's um, just you going through vignettes of scenes from it. So the hello Georgie scene and uh, the part in the sewers where you've got the balloon and it pops and just scenes like that. And there's another bit where you float up with balloons with loads of balloons um, just above you and then near pop and you fall down into a vat of blood. Huh? In VR, it, it works really well, but... Uh, it, the film itself, it just had no right to be as good as it turned out to be. No. And no, that, I think it was just because the care that uh, Muschietti actually took with it. So it was the phenomenal uh, runaway success that it deserved to be. Um, it said that horror is much better. The, in the last few years, horror has had a renaissance. Horror is a phenomenal genre now when it comes to films itself. And I cannot wait for part two, which is out next year, with the cast that it's got. James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain in the cast should be brilliant. So we'll we'll see how he handles that. And Muschietti's back again. Yes, directing it, and Barbara Muschietti's wife is writing it, just like she nice. did with with um, with it. They both wrote it along. What I love is there's um, there's a behind the scenes quick documentary about um, Muschietti's it, which is on YouTube, and it just fun- follows around Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise the clown, and the fact that the kids themselves didn't see. Pennywise the Clown, Bill Skarsgård version of it, until the scene when they're inside the house, that rundown house. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that was the first time they actually saw um, Skarsgård as uh, Pennywise the Clown in full makeup as well. And just the kind of mindset that he actually had to go through. He's only 25. And the fact that he was isolated from everybody he had his own small little crew with him, but he was isolated from everybody. So the mindset that he had to go through, yeah, it's only on for like 15 minutes. It's a quick little documentary on YouTube, but definitely worth a watch to see how the lengths that Skarsgård went to actually do perform Pennywise in it. Definitely worked. <laughs> if you want a decent Stephen King adaptation, Bob, do check out it. I know you're not like a yeah. horror fan, but it's kind of like a Stranger Things meets Stand By Me meets something with a scary arse clown in it. It's, it's really good. We saw that one at the cinema. It's fantastic. Yep. And so my fifth and final choice, 
do I have to actually even sear it? No, well, maybe for others. We we all know what it is. <laughs> Obviously, I'd be shocked if it wasn't. It's not going to be yeah. sale, is it, really? So, God, no. <laughs> no, it, it, it has to be stunned by me. Yeah, it, ha- it has to be. I, I've never seen a more perfect adaptation of a story than Stand By Me. It's still, to this day, the only film I ever deem perfect. To, wow. to this day, I've done I've re- done a, a movie review show for eight years now, nearly, and I've not given a single film a ten out of ten. Not one single film. I've probably seen in the, those eight years about four thousand movies. 5,000 films in that area there. Very close to that, probably. Not one not one single movie in those four or 5,000 films I've given a 10 out of 10 to. No matter how brilliant I think the film is, whether it be uh, uh, Your Name or an art, The Artist or A Monster Calls or films like that, nope, still will never get a 10 out of 10 and no movie will ever get a 10 out of 10. Because, is, that cause, is that because cause Stand By Me's got a 10 out of 10? Is that because if you give another film 10 out of 10, you're saying it's as good as, do you think? No, it, it's just because, for me, Stand By Me will always remind me of that best time of one, when I wasn't bullied at school, yeah. um, when I wasn't ill, and when um, my mum was actually happy. Yeah. So we'll all win. Um, there'll never be another film which will remind me of that because I won't be a kid again to watch a film to remind me of that. I won't be as ill as I was, and obviously until when I get to a really old age, and with my mum no longer with me, yeah. I'll no longer have that feeling ever again. So there will never ever be a film which will ever reach the levels of Stand by Me. So that's why Stand By Me will always be and will only ever be the perfect movie for me because it's such a high pedestal that nothing will ever reach to it no matter what situation I'm in, no matter whether I've got kids or anything like that. There will obviously be movies which I'll hold deeply in my heart because of that, but Stand By Me because of that trifecta there, there'll never be another film which will ever reach to those levels. So that's why, for me, it's not just the best Stephen King film um, and it's not just the best adaptation movie. It will always remain as my favourite film of all time and not one other single film will ever better that. It's not easy to respond to that, is it, Bob? No. No, I re-watched Stand By Me. I've seen it dozens of times over, over the decades and it still stands up perfectly. Yeah. Because there's nothing in it that dates it. It doesn't, you know. You watch something like uh, I can't remember. Pretty much most films there, and something in it dates them. Be it the synthesizer score, or visual effects, or something. But Stand by Me, it doesn't have visual effects, so they don't date. The soundtracks orchestral, and it's it's the music from the time that doesn't date. So it's, you know, I think maybe who's the one that wears it? Corey Feldman that wears the glasses? Yeah. Maybe the, gla- yeah. Maybe the glasses date. If I had to pick something that may, maybe possibly dates, but I don't think it does. It I might think be they've a, actually come back into fashion. Have they come back in? Yeah, I think go. they've actually come back into fashion. <laughs> but it's just the old, fa- uh, the old. if you Perfect. look at it as an adventure film, adventure films very rarely date because if you show it to your, your children 10, 20 years' time, um, There'll always be an adventure film. So it's like they're going on an adventure. 
So they they, they don't date as as much as um, special effects films like a Star Wars or something like that, because everybody can will and can relate to going on an adventure, whether it be your yeah. first holiday or playing outside with your friends, playing football, or just even at school when you're reading a story or something like that. You're always going to go on an adventure. And so that, that's what this film encapsulates. It encapsulates that joy of going on an adventure. So it will never be outdated. Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn fine film. Yep. So how many times have you bought that over the years? You know, be it a VHS or a DVD or a Blu-ray or... I don't want to count. I really don't <laughs> want to count. But it is one of those films I've bought it so many times, but even if it comes on TV, I'll still watch it. Yeah, definitely. It's like Shawshank's another one, isn't it? You can put that on. It can be however far through the film you sit and watch some of it. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it's always like away. yeah, it's it's like Gremlins and um, Home Alone at Christmas. No, I've I've got it. I've bought them multiple times, but even if the the shown on TV, Gremlins never outdates itself. I no. still think the the puppet work in that is just the best I've ever seen in a film, and it'll never get better than that. Um, and Home Alone is just a timeless classic. It's just it will always remain as a timeless classic. So it, it's just again that adventure feel because they both have that old school adventure feel to it. But I can watch them multiple times. I could. If I was stuck in a room and only had those three films, I would never be bored of them. No, you'd be fine. <laughs> you'd be fine. So, mine, I think, now. Over to you. Um, yeah. There's only one that's crossed over, which was The Mist, which you'd mentioned, Bob. I have gone for Cat's Eye, Ooh. which is uh, three short stories. You've got James Woods in there. You've got Drew Barrymore in there. You've got, uh, who's the guy out of airplanes? Robert Hayes. He's in there. Yes. Whole bunch of stuff uh, based on various short stories. Do they call it an anthology one when it's just like one film or like, is it like if VHS? It, if it's multiple films, it's what's known as a portmanteau movie. Right. Let's go for that one then. So, yeah, it's great. Love Cat's Eye. Uh, Stephen King's The Stand which is why I'm okay with Bob having yeah. Salem's Lot in there, because I've got a TV movie in there. Yeah. I have seen, and the damn thing is six hours long when you add it up, I have seen that <laughs> 17 or 18 times since it was released in 94, 95. I would watch that damn thing constantly. Both VHS tapes, now I've got it on, on DVD. Um, I've listened to the commentary, I've read the book, I've got the soundtrack... Um, it was the first time I ever heard Blue Oyster Cult, so I went out and oh, bought the, the, the CD single of that at the time. <laughs> I love the stand. It's, it, the ending's a bit shit, with the lottery hand coming down at the end, but, you know, Stephen King does suffer from endings a lot, doesn't he? And certainly it's horror stuff. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. a great story, then you go, how am I going to finish it? Oh, shit. Uh, big monster. That'll do. Right, get rid of that. But other than that, I love it. That's why I got into The Walking Dead, because I thought it's kind of like The Stand, so I'll watch it. But then I bailed out of The Walking Dead. Uh, the final two that I've got, The Dead Zone, the David Cronenberg version starring Christopher Walken, Mark Sheen. Love it. I've seen that dozens and dozens of times. I remember when they were making a TV show out of The Dead Zone, I'm thinking, I don't really know how that's going to work, because he dies at the end of the film. So how the heck can they do a TV series? But they've sort of spun it as if the end of the film didn't happen and it lasted, I think, five seasons. 
to the Dead yeah. Zone. And it's Anthony Michael Hall playing Johnny Smith. Really, really good series. It's one of those when I see it cheap enough, I'm going to pick up the entire run and just rewatch them because I never managed to finish off season five. And oh. uh, who did we meet? I don't know whether you were there, Bob, but I met her at Comic Con. She was also in Deep Space Nine. I forgot the name. Nicole DeBoer. Ah, oh, yes. Uh, I've got a picture of her with a little Lammy the Sheep. She yes. was the the main lead, other than oh. Anthony Michael Hall in the Dead Zone. So she played his, his the sheriff's wife. So that was good. And uh, I've mentioned it before, but my final one is Firestarter. <laughs> um, originally meant to be directed by John Carpenter, believe it or not, but apparently got fired from it, so they what? replaced him. I don't know. I don't know why. Creative differences, probably, because that's generally what they call anything and everything now. But you yeah. look at it, and there was a very John Carpenter feel to it. Yeah. And if you happen to watch the series Stranger Things, you can tell that these people have watched Firestarter because it feels <laughs> very much like that. Um, so I'm looking at my list. Other than the Mist and the Stand, I think the Cat's Eye, Dead Zone, and Firestar are all around the the mid '80s mark. So yeah. to me, that was my sort of cinema years when I would discover all these weird and wonderful films. All of mine yeah. were um, uh, '80s, apart from It. Yeah, the no, one is we have certain <laughs> years where it's like that's the the, the peak of our <laughs> the movie age. years, the golden age. And I think mine were def- God, Golden Age films, 80, <laughs> 82, probably 86, I think would have been mine, 87. So, you know. Well, I remember a couple of Christmases ago, we had a, a meetup and you had me, you know, basically we'd set each other tasks yeah. and uh, quizzes. And I remember I'd set your kind of 30 questions, was it? Something like that? Uh, yeah. On films of the 80s. That's uh, knocking them out of the park, wasn't it? Yeah, it did very well. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. I don't know whether I just got like one wrong or something stupid like that, but it was. I was doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I remember Annette did a similar thing where there was a section of a movie poster and I had to name the, the films, and these were all like 80s and 90s movie posters, and there were multiple choice, and I was guessing them without even taking the multiple choices. <laughs> I was looking at it going, Back to the Future, Gremlins, Goodfellas. So, yeah, yeah that was fun. But uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to The Running Man, which was probably, yeah. it's a really good film, but it's one of the worst adaptations of Stephen King's or Richard Bachman's in this case, because you read the book and it's nothing like the movie. In the same way, the Lawnmower Man is not the same yeah. book as it is film, but uh, still technically a Stephen King adaptation. So the Running Man's cool. Yeah. So uh, before we get onto the quiz, to VR, right? Yeah. It's a Sony one you've got, isn't it? No, I've got um, a Gear oh, VR. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So because I'm looking to get one, and I don't want to get one without using one, and I don't yeah. know. So I don't know how good they are, but it's. So obviously with the gear one, how good is it? As in like it, it, the whole VR experience? Yeah, well, I, I've had a PlayStation VR as well. So I, I know the experience on both units. And I've used a HTC Vive yep. as well. So that's one of the, the high-end um, VR. There is, depending on your budget, is depending on what VR you can actually go for. Well, so, the, one I, the one I'd be going for probably anyway is the PS one. Because I, I do have a PS4 and stuff. Yeah, well... Um, it goes from your budget being zero yeah. to your budget to be, to be around about two and a half grand. <laughs> so zero is Google Cardboard. 
where you can make it yourself. There's the blueprints online, so you can make it yourself. Um, and you can do a Google Cardboard, and you can watch basic YouTube videos in um, in VR of sorts. But you you look at the immersion. Then you've got the the cheap plasticky kind of ones where you see in um, pound shop for some reason, where they're like five pound or in Argos catalog for like twenty pound things like that. Then you've got slightly more updated versions of those. Then you've got the Gear VR ones, which it's under its third iteration, which is the version I've got. So the first two iterations, they work with Samsung Galaxy phones from the S6 up okay. to the S7. So it's the S6 range, the S7, and the Note as well. The version I've got only works with the S8 and S8 Plus, the S9, S9 Plus, and the Note, the latest oh. Note. I've got an S8, so maybe that's... So, yeah, I've, I've got an S8 Plus. So um, you can tell the difference between them because it's got the USB uh, Type-C connection and it comes with a controller. So um, you get a proper controller with it. So that's the version I've got. And it for things like YouTube and just experiences, like basic roller coasters, things like that, there are a few games, Minecraft, you can play in VR, and there are tailored games for it. So the mobile phone-esque style games, it's really good for that. It gives you an example of what VR can do. Then you've got the PlayStation VR, which obviously connects to a PlayStation 4. You need the camera for that as well. Um, and that gives you PlayStation-esque graphics, not to the PlayStation 4 level, but very similar to PlayStation 3 kind of graphics. So um, you've got your games as well. Which they're fully immersive because you got you can actually Resident Evil Seven for example you can play the entirety of that in VR um, and you've got full movement of your con- your character using the controller yep. and you've got experiences as well so you get a demo with it where it has things like a cage dive where you've got a shark who's coming to <laughs> attack you um, you've got a haunted house um, there are other apps you can download it as well so it, it's definitely considering the price of it now. You can get them for like £199 with a few things to come with it. It's definitely worth it. Then you've got one called Oculus Go, which does not need anything. It doesn't need a computer. It doesn't need a PlayStation 4 games console. It doesn't need a mobile phone. There is an app, but it doesn't need the app itself. It's all self-contained. And it's done by Oculus, who partnered with Samsung for the the Gear VR and their um, Oculus Rift which is their one on the PC. But yeah, it's a self-contained VR thing. Um, You can get it off eBay. It's not officially launched in the UK yet, but their stuff is sort of like very similar in tone to a mixture between mobile, so the Gear VR and PlayStation VR. And then obviously you've got the Oculus Rift, which is the next step up where you need a beefy PC to be able to run it. And then the HTC Vive and Vive Pro. Well, the Pro is £1,200 in total, plus you need a PC. That'll probably cost you around about 1500 quid because you need like a GTX 1080 Ti, and um, I think you need somewhere in the region of 12 gigabytes of RAM. So you need like a really beefy PC to be able to run it. So it just all depends on your budget itself, so the kind of experiences that you get. But for the price that you pay for a Gear VR, a PlayStation VR, and an Oculus Go, you're going to get them pretty much the same kind of experiences that a lot of people will get for the beefier side. Yeah. So if you so want it's just to... kind of like, is it worth it? You know, definitely yeah. with the PlayStation one, is it worth 
is it? It's not one of those things where you put it on and half an hour later you're like, yeah, I'm bored now. I've, I've kind of yes. Yeah, so Sony are not abandoning it, but I would see that the Gear VR would last longer. Reason right. being is because more apps seem to get released for it. Um, because not only does Samsung support it, but Oculus also support it as well. And people are still releasing VR videos on YouTube, which you can get VR videos on YouTube anyway on the PlayStation VR. But yeah, you can watch, um, for example, the World Cup with the BBC. You can watch it on the Gear VR and the PlayStation VR. But the Gear VR, you can get it for about £60. PlayStation yeah. VR is £200. So the gap is like £140. Yep. So, yeah, Sony are seeing that they are supporting it, still going to support it. But the Gear VR, if you've not got a big budget, but you want a VR experience and you've got the phone to be able to support it, it's definitely worth the money. Cool. Because it's something I want to test. And I know there is a, there's a big video arcade thing a couple of towns away that apparently lets you do VR because Bob's yeah. discovered his place. So yeah. I do want to, I don't want to just rush out and pay like two, three hundred quid and then decide I don't like it or it doesn't work. So hence me um, fishing around trying to find out whether or it's it gives you a headache. Is fun. Or, I mean, yeah, apparently it'll give you a headache once you get used, you know, until you get used to it anyway. So I think yeah. that's one of those. Yeah, I think, um, I think Samsung has sort of like perfected that with the latest Gear VR. Because I, I I know with the PlayStation VR, when I first used it, it did give me a little bit of a headache. And yeah. with um, the first iteration of the Gear VR, it did that. But with the third one, I think they've got it right. There's a depth slider as well. You've got like a little dial on the top of the the headset where you can actually adjust the distance that yeah. it's from. So um, I think they've got it right. And I think with the late iterations of the games and a more powerful phone, in this case here, the S8s, um, there's less things like motion blur, which would have caused yeah. the headaches and the vomiting and things like that. So there's <laughs> less of that now. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever played with a VR, Bob? You not experienced one yet? No, I haven't. There's um, there's a few, like I say, that I've read about. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's one that I think it's sort of like an arcade version, but very upmarket, and um, it's one of these where you you step into like a you know, a cage, if you would, and the cage senses your movements. And I think one of the main games they do is like a zombie hunt. Yeah. You know, so you basically you've got a, a shotgun and what have you, and uh, you can link up with other people, and it's the usual thing of you know zombies coming at you through the shopping mall. Yep. Nice. So I, I like the idea of that. Who'd have again, thought one day the lawnmower man may become true? Well, this is it. But again, it's one of those things with my kind of um, dodgy eyesight. Yeah. I. I'm, I would reckon I'd last about half hour before I'm vomiting on the floor. <laughs> you feel like vomiting <laughs> up, yeah. Sitting there in your living room wearing a VR headset covered in puke. It's yes. not, attra- it's not attractive. <laughs> oh, not a good it? idea. No. And just don't make sure you lock your front door when you're using the VR. Otherwise, you might <laughs> take the headset off and everything else has been nicked. Yes. That's, uh, <laughs> that's sort one. of not possible with things like a gay VR because you've got pass through. Yeah. So it uh, actually activates your rear camera so you can see through. So, yeah, it's quite hard, hard for people to do that. That's good. Right, quiz time. It's an easy one. Oh, I have got uh, four film titles for each of you. Ooh. And I want to know whether these are real film titles or whether I've just made them up. 
So I, I would like to thank a guy called Michael Vaughn for helping on this one because he's written a book called The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, which uh, <laughs> Stu is aware of. So I managed to pluck some film titles out of it. Yeah, because I, 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 I did a couple of these quizzes when we had uh, the horror show about film titles, which I made up. Just from my <laughs> weird, weird brain, and the, I, I think I used to stump you and Lauren all of the time with them because, all the time. <laughs> yep. So, so Bob, you've got your four coming at Ooh, you first. Right. Go on, okay. yeah. So you just got to tell me whether it's uh, whether it's true. So is it a real film or a false? Yeah, film or fiction. Hover made it up. Film or fiction? Yeah, but it's two F. So true or false? Yep. Yeah. Uh, werewolves on wheels. Is that a real film or is it made up, Bob? That sounds so weird that I, I'm very tempted to say that it's real. So I'm going to say it's a film. Okay, go for that one. Fair enough. Right. Creature from the Hillbilly Lagoon. Again, I'd like to say we're a film, but I really do hope that's made up. Okay, so which one are you guessing for then? I'm going to say that's, that, that's made up. That's false. I really hope so. (laughs) Right, okay. Let's see how you do on this one then. The Freak from Sock Weasel Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Is is The Freak from Sock Weasel Mountain, is it a real film, or did I just pluck that one out of thin air? I'm going to go for real, just for the comedy value. Okay. And your final one, Bob, is this a real film or is it not a real film? Yeti, a gay love story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to go for real again. Okay, you go for real. All right. So that's your four done. So, Stu, you've got, feel free to giggle at these ones as well, Bob. You're more than welcome. Um, An American hippie in Israel. Uh, I'll see a fake on that one. Okay, all right. Uh, Julian, donkey boy. <laughs> Real. It rings a bell. Oh, my Real. God. He's right, seen okay. it. <laughs> Dracula, pages from a virgin's diary. That's just too straightforward to sound fake, so I'll stick with Real on that one. You going for Real? Okay. Right. Uh, Revenge of the Radioactive Reporter. I'll say a fake. That sounds so trauma. Does does a bit, so you're going for fake. So, well, unfortunately, Bob's won, because every single one of those titles is a real film. What? All of, all of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep, Werewolves on Wheels from 1971, Creature from the Hillbilly Lagoon in 2005, The Freak oh. from Suck Weasel Mountain from 1983, <laughs> Yeti, A Gay Love Story, 2006, An American <laughs> Hippie in Israel was also known as Hatemptrist, uh, 1972, uh, Julian Donkey Boy was from 1999. Yep. I, I knew that one because I had heard of that one before. <laughs> uh, D- Dracula Pages from it? A Virgin's Diary, 2002. Uh, yeah, have you watched it, Stu? I think I have, actually. Maybe that's why it rings a bell. Not if I remember correctly, I don't know if there was a box art with a kid on the front of the box with a carrot. 
Like he was actually eating a carrot, if I remember correctly. Oh, Homework for everyone. Watch Julian the. <laughs> Julian I'm gonna have to Donkey Boy. I'm gonna yeah. have to Google that now just to see what the. <laughs> I'll uh, bet you're yeah. right. Revenge of the Radioactive Reporter, also known as Atomic Reporter, was from 1990. So it was uh, author Michael Vaughan sent me this a copy of the book. Wow. The, uh, the Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema and does some insane, as you've just seen from another example, and it's kind of like the 1001 movies to to watch before you die type setup. so it'll have a film and it'll have a big write-up and all these thoughts and stuff, and some of the movies in here are insane I mean, there's a lot of well-known films in there, but then you've got crazy ones like this so it's a really good read That's how I know, know the film The director is Harmony Corinne that's how I know the film itself, because I have seen Harmony Corinne's films before. Um, he did Spring Breakers. Oh, he did yeah, yeah. he did an off well his directorial debut was a film called Trash Hunters, which is these two blokes who walked around in these old um old man masks um humping trash cans. That was pretty much the end. Yeah, humping, ha- humping trash cans. Yeah, having having sex with trash cans and stuff like that. Wow. that. That was the entirety of the film itself. But yeah, I thought I heard that film before. Uh, Ewan Bremner's in it, and Chloe Savini. Ooh, uh, Werner wow. Herzog's in it as well. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, all real films. Wow. So, yeah, The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. It's a, it's a fun read. So I, I, was like chatting, I was chatting to Michael Vaughan as well, Matt. How long did it take to put this book together? There's yeah. films in there I'd never even heard of. And it was, you know, it was a year, two years, something like that. He said there was a lot of films he wanted to put in there that he hasn't managed to. So I oh. do suspect there'll be a volume two coming out at some point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Julian Donkey Boy and the Freak from Suck Weasel Mountain. There's two films to put on your list. Put the fear of God into anyone. Oh, um. God, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, epic. So, fun and games. So, what, is, what has everybody got planned for their weeks, do you? Obviously, hopefully, resting up a little bit. Unfortunately, you know, I've worked. Yes, but resting up a little bit, hopefully. If they yeah, are, I, I, I work in a call centre, so I don't know how I'm mm. going to do my job. No, slowly. and uh, Yes, I think slowly yeah. is the operative word there. Yeah, which is not easy, because... Call centers generally are built on the numbers and stuff. Yeah, but. I've got to try and use a mouse with my left hand and type with a keyboard as well. Um, yeah, it's a good job I'm off for three days during the week as well, so I need rest, but it's not going to happen. Which days off are you off? Um, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right. Yeah. You could probably oh. do with it being the early part of the week. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Not good. Just make sure you've got lots of painkillers in your pocket. Doesn't work. They're not working, so. Well, surely it's a case of although you work in a call center, if you go in with your arm in a sling, and I mean, yeah, you've obviously been to the doctors, etc., you know, and casualty, surely they've got, you know, they should be able to find you something to keep you occupied that doesn't need both hands. Yeah, you you, you would hope so. I'm going to. Going to ask because um, I do have the knowledge there, so I can do things where I can do side by sides with people who have got problems or listening yeah. to them and try and help them out. So I'm even if it is just for it's not that I want to do it for the next couple of weeks because I've got this I've got to wear this sling for the next couple of weeks. It's just for yeah. a few days while I start to get a bit more movement back in my ar- my hand and my arm. 
mean, even if they can sort that out for just your first few days and this week before you're off for three, yeah, it's going to help. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll have to sweet talk them into it or or threaten them to watch Julian the Donkey Boy or something. I got to do it. Just just send them to Suck Weasel Mountain. That's yeah, what you need yes. to do. Actually, right. I want to go there now. It sounds intriguing. <laughs> I've just I've got actually my first ever passport, so I've got an excuse wow. now. I've never had a passport in my life. I've never been abroad, never been out this country, so um, I've never been on a plane or anything like that. So I now have a passport. I now now have an interesting um, place to go. Suck Weasel Mountain is where Suck I'm going. Suck Weasel Mountain. What was yeah. the reason for you getting a passport? Have you got some place in mind that you're going to go to, or do you just think, you know what, sod it, I need a passport, I'm going to get it done it's, now? It's that sort of like start, like stepping stone to the midlife crisis thing, because <laughs> uh, I'm two years away from it. Yep. So it is that thing where I'm start like in a way, sort of planning it in my brain. Um, so a passport is going to be really helpful. The only problem is if I go to the destination where I want to go, I'll never come back. So, why? Where's that? So, other Japan. than Sock Weasel Mountain, Japan. Uh, yes. Oh, is it like you'll move out there and choose not to come back, or yeah, I would just never come back. For you? Right. Yeah, I would just never come back. I'd go it's to Japan, a, so. it's a big world. So move wherever you move, and if you live in Japan, that's cool. Bob's got yep. friends that live in Japan; they love it. Yep, exactly. Several of them oh. went out there. Got jobs, ended up getting married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's my ideal place in this world, Japan. Fantastic. And Bob, what have you got planned other than working and hopefully watching the Dark Tower? Well, like I say, I'm on late, so I I get to have mornings free, which is quite good. Um, so mm-hmm. basically kind of get some stuff done then. I've got Emily over next weekend, my daughter. So yep. I'm looking forward to that, get stuff and, some stuff sorted for that. Hmm. Um, trying to think what else I don't My Life is a Courgette yeah, yes Red Turtle yeah. no just yeah. watch My Life is a Courgette that's all okay. I ask just that, that one. one okay yeah. we'll go for that one then so yeah, yeah so, it's only an hour yeah don't think there's much else um, you know nothing planned so no same here yeah same here I work from weekend to weekend so I'm exactly. planning nothing I'll probably get some website articles and stuff uploaded one hour per night this week um, yeah and then probably watch a movie now and again so uh, other than my life is course yet might try and watch that tomorrow night keeps yeah. too happy yeah definitely there you go but yeah <laughs> a little bit longer than normal this one but uh it is fine so we'll round this episode up and it'll be online tomorrow uh is your show is no. it monday this week Stu, or no, is it no show this week because no. of the fact because of the arm um, because i'm the one who's yeah. in charge of the show so uh, I, I can't operate the terminal on that anyway. It wouldn't have been a big week because there's nothing out in the cinema apart from the remake of Overboard. Which I don't know yeah. why they want to remake that movie anyway. <laughs> exactly. Stick with and, the original. Um, there's only a couple of films out for home release, uh, Shape of Water and I, Tonya, so slightly pointless making a, a, a show. So we're taking a break yeah. this week. Well, I must admit, just as a little aside, um, yeah. my aunt that lives up in the islands of Scotland uh, apparently their local cinema she she posts this up on Facebook every now and again, their local cinema is showing um, the Three Billboards film Three, Outside Ebbing was a great film yeah, Outside Epping Forest yeah, yeah. So, yeah that's the one. <laughs> so it was Death basically a case of uh, I, I had to respond to that and said I hear this is a very good movie good really enjoyed that film, yeah it was good <laughs> oh, 
There you go. And I will probably be watching The Shape of Water at some point, probably next weekend. I mean, what's the running time on that, Stu? Is it overly long or is it just average length? It's about two hours. Right, oh, so it's average bad. length then. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so we'll watch that. I'll watch that before next week's podcast and see what all the fuss is about. It's very Del Toro, that film. Yes. Good. And at some point, I'm building a list of films that I want to watch at some point. So I'm going through all of my pile of Empire magazines going, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. So yeah. uh, I'm going to put Crimson Peak on there. Good. Get that watched at some Crimson point because I've just forgotten about it. So there you go. Right. Well, I shall let you two gentlemen go. Okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Not a problem. And I shall catch up with you, Bob, tomorrow. And I shall see you on the Twitter sphere, Stu. Yep. Same. Look Hawk forward to uh, chatting to you both again at some point shortly. Yep, definitely. Rest that arm. Yeah, I will do. Right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.